You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness, and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness, and physiology right now. In this episode, Dr. Nader meets with a group of medical students and early career health professionals as a part of an integrative medicine scholars program to answer questions on topics relating to consciousness, mind and body, stress, and its relevance in the future of healthcare. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our last but certainly not least speaker for our fall session, Integrative Medicine Scholars Program. As far as our, our students and guests, we have some people joining from Maharishi International University. I am excited to have them with us tonight. And without further ado, I can introduce you to Dr. Tony Nader. Dr. Nader is a medical doctor trained at Harvard University and MIT which is a PhD in neuroscience, and he's globally recognized expert in the science of consciousness and human development. His training includes internal medicine, psychiatry, and neurology. He's a successor of Maharishi Mahesh Yogi and the head of the Transcendental Meditation Organization globally. He was appointed assistant director of clinical research at MIT and was a clinical research fellow at Massachusetts General Hospital with Harvard Medical School. He conducted research in neurochemistry and neuroendocrinology, the relationship between diet, age, behavior, mood, seasonal influences, and hormonal activity, and the role of neurotransmitter precursors in medicine. Dr. Nader's discussed his expertise at academic institutions such as Harvard Business School on the neuroscience of transcendence with Stanford University, where he gave talks in a series entitled Hacking Consciousness. Awesome program. As well as the keynote speaker for a conference at the House of Commons British Parliament, where his unique expertise in the knowledge of East and West has also been recognized by the National Health Service there. His research has been published in Neurology, Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism, Journal of Gerontology, Progress in Brain Research, and other journals. And in his new book, One Unbounded Ocean of Consciousness, Dr. Nader comprehensively examines what scientists call the hard problem of what is consciousness. He unpacks this abstract question for both the general audience and experts in the field by investigating consciousness in terms of human physiology, quantum mechanics and physics, and more ancient Vedic science. With his work and in his books, Dr. Nader is bringing the science of consciousness to new audiences and expanding the understanding of the relationship between mind and body, consciousness, and physiology, and the furthest reaches of human potential. All of this being said, this is an opportunity that I am so grateful for to share with some medical students who have a, an interest in integrative medicine. And we have explored some quite interesting things over the past months. And so tonight, I am extremely grateful to welcome Dr. Nader. Hello, Dr. Nader. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be connected with doctors-to-be and many doctors also, I guess, already. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm sure you can, it's kind of predictable, but my first question I figured I'd start with would be, how do you define consciousness and perhaps where does it come from? Consciousness is mostly, I think, defined by imagining what it would be without consciousness. So 
we have that experience in uh, sleep, deep sleep, where we are not conscious. In dream, we have different kind of illusionary awareness and consciousness. And then in waking state, we use consciousness as our screen on which the movie of our life seems to flow. Because without consciousness, we cannot plan, we cannot understand, we cannot feel anything, neither pain nor joy, neither love nor any aspect of understanding of ourselves and the universe. So consciousness is very, very special for us and it makes life meaningful. And normally we think it comes from the sophisticated activity of the nervous system, which is, of course, part of what the reality of our human consciousness is. But I'm taking consciousness like many philosophers and thinkers who are now examining this aspect of our reality to a more fundamental level. In the past, we have had people who even imagined that the only conscious species or aspects of life are the humans, and that even animals are not conscious. Today, we know that there are many layers of consciousness, even in animal life, even in the life of plants and trees. And it's a question of redefining consciousness, not only as a human style of consciousness, but whatever experiences something, whatever has memory and has interconnectedness like that, has consciousness and on quite a high level. But as we go down the phylogenetic tree, of course, there is less and less consciousness and it becomes simply experience. So when we have an experience on the level even of an amoeba reacting to something in the water or in the fluid or in the environment, then we are calling this a minimal, very minimal, not human-like in any form, but still consciousness. And that is, consciousness has a huge range and I am extending the definition of consciousness from those layers of human, animal, plant consciousness to say that consciousness is all there is ultimately, which means the stuff of life, the stuff of existence is consciousness. That's quite a bold and radical interpretation and speculation still, if you like, in a sense. But what is interesting in it is that it answers profound questions about even physics and life and meaning of life. And it's not at all unrealistic in the sense that all we know as humans is actually consciousness and through consciousness, we experience the physical world, we experience the reality of the physical world, which is constantly changing. So when we look at the physical world, we find that itself, it is not as solid as it has always been decided that actually matter is physical energy 
And then when we go into quantum mechanics and the deep levels of physics, we find that you know, objects and elementary particles behave in ways that are unexpected and they are delocalized that are at different places at the same time. There is superposition, there is entanglement, a number of factors that are ununderstandable. And ultimately we come to a unified field of nature that is being postulated that is really unifying all the forces of nature, the weak, the strong, the electricity and magnetism and gravitation is now also being postulated as unified. So from that one unified field, there is the emergence of all that there is. And it's only a small step to say that this unified field is actually a field of consciousness. So going from consciousness expressing itself on different levels, we come to a full understanding that actually consciousness is the stuff of life. Beautiful. Something I've heard is, I was listening and heard that being conscious is kind of that like awareness of being aware and then consciousness being the kind of unified field. And so from consciousness emerges the ability to be conscious how do you envision those two words are different, you know? Yeah, we can say the way I present it and my model and the paradigm, which is, you know, the Vedantic ancient and also has been expressed by the Greeks and many philosophers and has a resurgence with big interest today in panpsychism and idealism and different ways of looking at reality is that we can postulate that there is an absolute state of consciousness, which means something that is non-changing, that is beyond time and space. And that absolute state of consciousness is called consciousness because it is actually conscious. So when you say there is consciousness as something primordial, and then what are the qualities, what is the nature of this consciousness? Its nature is to be conscious, and to be conscious requires an observer who is conscious and being aware or observing or experiencing an object of consciousness. And there is a mechanism by which this happens, which is the connectedness between the observer and the observed. And this is how actually multiplicity starts to emerge from that one unity at the basis of all this multiplicity. So yes, there is consciousness as an absolute, there is to be conscious, which is more relative, which means in the sense of asking what quality of consciousness is being experienced in what way. And in terms of human consciousness, we can say even on a scientific modern level that there is the content of consciousness, which means what are you conscious of? The awareness of things. And there is the level of alertness, which means, can you wake up something? And as medical students and medical experts, you will you know, encounter this in different forms and minimally aware, minimally conscious states and lockdown syndromes and vegetative states and then in coma. And there will be this connectedness between the relationship between content of awareness and arousal 
So somebody who is sleeping, for example, we don't say that they are in a vegetative state or in a minimally conscious state. We are saying that they are in a fully conscious state, but it's a conscious state of sleep, quality of sleep. And why is that even though the content of consciousness or awareness is almost not there in a sense on the surface level, but the arousal is there. You can arouse them and they'll come up and be completely awake and you know, feel everything, experience everything, remember everything. And so the ability to arouse them is different than somebody, for example, in a minimally conscious state or certainly in a vegetative state where you cannot arouse them easily. And of course, in coma, they cannot be aroused at all. And even in the vegetative state, they cannot be aroused in the normal way. They might react, something might happen in the brain that you can detect through electroencephalography and other techniques. So there are these components of consciousness, which are arousal, awareness, and how to be conscious, and what are we conscious of? Beautiful. So, you know, I'm excited to, to see how this all comes together. I want to ask, what does this change in the direction of consciousness? So rather than, you know, the body building it up, the mind into what is consciousness, and rather being consciousness is all there is, from which I love that you get conscious. Can you think of ways in which this can be useful or helpful in medical education or in, with physicians in general to understand this principle? There is a philosophical underpinning where one has to explain that actually our senses show us only one aspect of reality. They are not the most reliable way to observe truly the universe. So we had to extend them through instruments, through microscopes and telescopes and other instruments of observation, like a large hadron collider in Geneva and, you know, where we can examine particles. It's a way of really extending our sensory apparatus. So we have to realize at the onset and the outset that our senses show us only one aspect of reality. For example, simply the colors scheme that we have is from red to violet. If it's infrared, you don't see it. If it's ultraviolet, you don't see it. You will need an instrument to see it. Of course, if it's X-ray and radio waves and all of that, you will need more sophisticated instruments, a radio, a telephone, or a machine that detects X-rays. And so the reality of what we see is only one tiny, very tiny aspect of the ultimate reality of our experience. So the paradigm, the model that is being presented is postulating that actually consciousness experiences itself from all these different, different ways of experience. And there is an infinite way of experiencing reality and consciousness folding onto itself experiences reality from these different, different perspectives. One of them is our human perspective, which is, of course, varied and has multifacets of itself and different degrees. 
And therefore, we have to understand the relativity of what we call real and what we call not real. And therefore, you know, as the saying goes, beauty lies in the eyes of the beholder. So we have to have a sense of appreciation that if we change ourselves and our ability to experience, we can have a different experience in life. We can have a different ability to handle things. We can have different possibilities of creativity and intelligence and behavior. And so as medical professionals wanting to remove suffering and improve life and even extending it to having less conflict, better behavior in society, we have to realize the importance of developing consciousness. Because consciousness can be broad and can be narrow. And under stress, it narrows down to the fight and flight response. And that leads us to using only a small aspect of our ability to see present, past, and future and be creative. And therefore, the main thing is to understand the importance of consciousness and the technologies that help to develop consciousness so that we broaden our awareness, so that life is not just about information, which is important and helpful and can itself raise consciousness and awareness, but there is more important than just the information. There is the container of information, which is ourself. And if the container is limited and small because of stress or strain or our nervous system not functioning completely, in its optimal way, then we are not able to handle and manage and process information in the best possible way. That leads to limitations in life and therefore also a perception that can lead to anxiety, to fear, to strain, to stress, to depression, and even to health problems, which means the body deteriorates or gets wear and tear more than is necessary. And if we don't give it the right rest, the right uh, routines, uh, then we go into kind of circle, vicious circles that lead us to problems and disease mentally and physically. So we have to understand as health professionals that consciousness plays a very important role actually the most important role and put it in its right context as something primary, something important, something that can help us in a practical level to make our life better and to be more creative and fulfill our desires. So I think there are many facets of consciousness that are very important for understanding life and living and understanding our patients and ourselves and what best we can do to help people get the best of their lives. Excellent. I love it. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.